Hello, you are listening to a very special mini-series of the Sustainable-ish podcast with me, Jen Gale, counting down to and celebrating the launch of the Sustainable-ish Living Guide, my book that is everything you need to know to make small changes that make a big difference. Join me for 12 days, diving into a chapter each day and chatting to someone marvellous, doing good stuff relevant to the topic of that chapter to infuse and inspire you to take action and obviously to get your mitts on a copy of my book. (laughs) One of my favourite comments I've had so far from someone who was sent an advanced copy is that it's the most eco-common sense thing I've read, which I absolutely love because I feel like we all need a bit of eco-common sense as we enter a new year and a new decade where we'll all need to be making changes. So we need to figure out how to make those changes work for us. The book is published by Bloomsbury and it is out on January the 9th. So if you're listening before that, you can pre-order it from all the usual places online Or if you're listening after that point, you can, of course, order it online or it should be available in all good bookshops. Or obviously, the sustainable-ish option would be to ask your library to order it in for you. Okay, so day eight of the 12 days of sustainable-ish. Are you keeping up? (laughs) Are you flagging a little bit like me? Now, I love pretty much every interview I do for the podcast. Getting the chance to speak to fabulous people about the wonderful stuff that they're doing is an absolute honour. But this one, this one I know is going to be one of my highlights of 2020 already. I'm chatting to Kat Fletcher, resource goddess and one of the co-founders of Freegal. A conversation with Kat could undoubtedly have suited any of the chapters in the book, but alongside chatting to her about her journey and the fabulousness that is Freegal, we chat about being sustainable-ish at work. And Kat shares some great ideas and resources for both employees and employers to make some simple but far-reaching changes in the workplace. Enjoy. Hello Kat, welcome to Sustainable-ish. Hi, Jen. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, I've been, um, you've been on my dream podcast list for so long. It's oh, <laughs> so wow. brilliant to, to be able to talk to you. So um, for people who don't know you and don't know what you do, can you introduce yourself? Yeah. So I'm one of the uh, people that started Freegal, which is the UK's biggest free online reuse network. And we did that way back in 2009. And um, sort of, uh, well, I've been I, I, I've been in the UK for about over twenty years, and for most of that time, I seem to have always been doing something to prevent waste or, you know, to increase resourcefulness. And um, specifically, in the last ten years, I've done lots of work down in Brighton and and sort of in other places, and really scaled up kind of uh, what used to just be my amateurish. Uh, obsessive hobbies yeah (laughs) so how did you get started then with this obsessive hobby well I think actually it is significant that I arrived here from Australia originally in 1991 and I was absolutely horrified that nobody recycled nobody like wasn't on the agenda at all Mm -hmm. like it just kind of didn't happen 
And because I was sort of just a young, brash, loud Australian, and I sort of had an inbuilt bunch of friends um, because I married someone from Brighton, I just started, I offered to um, collect everyone's recycling on a Monday morning because they were kind of big party people and always had lots of um, empty cans and bottles after a weekend. And and they just kind of indulged me because they just thought I was an annoying Australian and it was easier to sort of say yes. They thought I was completely bonkers. And I sort of used to hoon around Brighton in a van every Monday going from house to house, picking up cans and bottles and taking them to the local tip and to the recycling points there. And so, yeah, and it, I mean, I guess that's kind of just the beginning of it, you know, um, all those decades ago. And uh, I, I don't know what it is, but I just kind of, I just can't stand waste. It just really annoys me. I mean, it, even I hate wasting time. Yeah. It, it just, I don't know, you know, some genetic um, weirdness. Do you think it does come from your parents? Are your parents like that? Ah, oh, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, life's complicated, isn't it? So my mum was literally a shopaholic. Yeah. A big um, flag-waving candidate for capitalism and <laughs> consumerism. You know, you couldn't, couldn't hold her down and keep her out of a, out of a shop. And my dad was the complete opposite. And, um, but interestingly, I spent most of my time as a child with my dad and I built boats with my dad. So oh, wow. I, think, I think that's where some of it comes from. So I have a real just kind of learned from a really young age uh, the handling of materials and also what goes into actually making something mm. and producing something that you can use that's fit for, for purpose. And, um, yeah, I kind of, because I've thought about it a lot and I guess it kind of probably stems back to that. Um, yeah, because I think of, we've become very disconnected with how things are made, haven't we? You know, even clothes, I think, Ten years ago, if you'd asked me how my clothes were made, I would have assumed it was, you know, it was done uh, in a factory and by a machine. I wouldn't have occurred to me that it was yes done in a factory, but by some poor woman who's or sat at the same sewing child. machine, sewing the same. Yeah, exactly. Or an eight-year-old child sewing the same seam for eighteen hours a day. We've become so disconnected from everything, from food, we have, fashion. I mean, yeah. the same very much applies to food. You know, I think there's a brilliant BBC survey done many years ago, but asking children, you know, um, where they thought cheese came from and, you know, they thought there was a cheese tree somewhere. Yeah. You know, and sort of all these misconceptions. And, and of course, that's all really funny and amusing when when it's little kids um, answering. But but actually, I think most adults are quite disconnected from, yeah, food production, you know, clothing production, you know, and... Um, and, and other projects I've worked on in, in the construction industry and around design and architecture is, um, you know, there's a massive disconnect with what goes into just creating the spaces that we all live in as well and the different materials and what goes into, you know, the production and manufacture mm. of concrete, for example. Nobody thinks about it. But, um, I mean, there's actually a global sand shortage you know, wow. no one talks about that, right? But it's like Google it when we get off the podcast, right? Like it's a really big, serious thing. And um, of course, we have lots of sand everywhere, but it's the wrong sort of sand for whatever we're oh, okay. for, which is primarily in the construction industry. And but you know, but we never think about that when we kind of you know go to buy a house or build or rent or yeah. you know, find somewhere to live. And I think yeah, when you examine any product or sort of aspect of your life and drill down 
I think we're all pretty disconnected from where everything starts. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Freegal right at the start, that you're one of the founders of Freegal. For people who haven't come across it, can you explain what Freegal is and how it works? Yeah, sure. So it's just a website. It's for the UK only. Um, And we also have an app that sits alongside the website, so you can use it really easily on tablets and smartphones and all of that. And, and, And essentially, it's just an online dating service for unwanted stuff and um I mean that's the simplest way of explaining it or it's like gumtree without money yeah so um everybody has a flow of goods and things that come in and out of their life um all different things at all different points for different reasons and um you know what do you do with stuff when you don't want it anymore and of course there's a whole range of options you know there's boot markets there's um you know, there's eBay, there's Gumtree, you know, you can give it to your family, you can donate it to charity shops and Freegal is just an, a, another avenue, if you like, for people to get rid of stuff that they don't want. Yeah. But and I think, I think- the great thing about Freegal is that if people, if the product doesn't apply to any of the above options or a person doesn't have the wheel or 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 energy to do any of the mm, things I mm. mentioned, then Freegal is a really great thing to use because it's minimal effort. You can just do it from home yeah. or work or wherever you are. Oh, look, my toast is broken. I don't want it anymore. I can list it on Freegal. Um, there'll be someone out there and this is what you, uh, you have to throw it out into the universe. I mean, you can give away working toasters as well, of course, and people do all the time, but you can also give away something like a broken toaster that you can't be bothered getting fixed because there will be someone in your local community that loves tinkering and loves fixing things yeah. like that who come and get it from you. And, um, you know, it's great when you've got kids, they take up new sports or whatever. You don't have to yeah. go out immediately and buy a brand new judo kit. You can just have a look on Freegal and see if somebody's giving away, you know, a judo kit or a tennis racket or whatever it is you need. And so it's a great way to sort of, one, get things into your life and avoid buying brand new stuff and avoid spending money. Mm. And it's equally fabulous to kind of when you declutter or you need to get rid of things for whatever reason, it's just a really easy go-to uh, way of handing things on ethically, you know, without yeah. stuff going to landfill or incinerator. And I mean, it's just very simple. You just upload a photo of whatever it is, describe what it is and, and, and throw it out there into the Freegal wonderland. <laughs> and um, because we've been around for so long and we have 2.8 million registered users. Wow. Um, yeah. They're massive communities. So there's a really high chance and frequency of being successful. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I mean, I love it. And I, I'm always amazed at what, like you say, you think, oh, well, no one's ever going to want that. But people always do. And it's brilliant for exactly what you said, those things that you think, well, it can't go to the charity shop or it can't be. So, you know, if you've opened a bag of dog food, I always say this one, you know, and, and the dog's turned its nose up at it. Someone will oh, want that. Regal it. Regal yeah. it. Yeah. And also, you know, um, unwanted edible food as well. You know, often yeah. you clear out the cupboards and you go, God, Pinto beans, why did I buy those? You know, I'm never going to, you know, you can give away, yeah, like I said, well, anything that's legal, but um, sort of people tend to automatically limit themselves on what they can list or they think that, right. no, I can't do that because that's, but honestly, people just go for it. I mean, I've given away the most bonkers things. I've given away um, 50 kilos of, of rusty uh, trampoline springs and I'd kind of collected them over the, uh, my kid's childhood 
because they just, I don't know, I just couldn't throw them away. And, and, and they went to a sculptor, you know, who loved them and incorporated them into his work. And so wow. they found, they found an, 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 a nice new purpose in my local area. And the great thing about reuse is that um, it, it's kind of not a chore. Like it's yeah. a social thing. You get to meet people and you have funny stories and you get to find out of stories of the objects that you're passing on as well so I think it's kind of it's a nice way of connecting with people as well as kind of um yeah preventing stuff going to landfill definitely and I think as well the obviously you said you know we can take stuff to the charity shop but I think we all one of the things I talk about in the book is just being a little bit aware that the charity shop shouldn't be the kind of panacea or the get out of jail free card for kind of our overconsumption, and that actually a lot of charity shops are really struggling with the volume of stuff that they're getting. And a lot of it, oh, sadly, absolutely. is either, you know, either going to landfill or especially with clothes being shipped. And also they, and can't, they can't deal with broken things or yeah. past, quite understandably, you know, and, and a lot of them have limitations and specifications. And so I think the thing to realise is that Freegal just connects you up with your community to yeah. people that you don't know who already exist, who are already surrounding you. And of course, all communities are full of all sorts of wonderful characters. And so even if something seemed really useless to you or really redundant or just beyond it, it's always worth, um, you know, whacking it out on there, you know, and it, even with funny old sofas, you know, this happens a lot when people do um, their deceased estates, you know. Yeah. <laughs> parents have had the same sofa since 1953 and it doesn't have a fire label and mm. it looks like it should be on a, a theatre set or something, and so they think that nobody wants and it can't be reused, but actually it can because people will use it for things like theatre sets or in a community youth centre or at festivals or whatever. Like there is always another life that's possible for all the stuff we've made, and I guess that's my passion is to try and extend the life of all the stuff that we've already made because I think realistically moving forward, we will just have to stop producing so mm. much pat and so much unnecessary stuff. And um, it's just up to our government really to decouple um, kind of individual and society's capacity to earn money from the production of yeah. crap. And that's what we need our governments to do is to put in place different economic models that don't rely on the production of endless stuff, yeah. which at this point in our kind of Western urban transition, you know, where we're, what, we're 60, 70 decades past the world war and um, we've sort of lost the sense of the concept of enough. Yeah. And we just need to stop. There's no, there's no need for all this consumption and all this stuff. We've reached big stuff. Mm. You know, there's really we just need to take on it. But um, it's a very difficult thing to stop. Yeah, and I think on, population on rely on income from it. Yeah, definitely. And and on that note as well, I think you know we've um talked a lot about the the stuff you can kind of get rid on free freegal, but actually using that you know almost as your first port of call or certainly using it you know if you do want stuff exactly as you said if the kids need their new sports kit or you know mine needed a new beavers jumper or whatever it is asking on there first and and again you'd be really surprised and thinking I don't know I needed something really obscure like a yellow t-shirt for sports day or something for the kids and you think no one's you know what are the chances of anyone having that and I was constantly amazed when we go oh yeah I've got one (laughs) yeah I know it's really nice the other thing 
uh, as well, um, you know, when you need something looking on there um, is that, and, and if you can't see what you're looking for, you know, you can post, like you said, a wanted message yeah. saying, hey, I need this. And the lovely thing about that is that often people have stuff that they don't use, they don't need, they don't want. They just hasn't kind of occurred to them to get rid yeah. of that. And so you kind of trigger this little um, action in them and then they kind of go, yeah, I've got a sewing machine up in the mm, lot. Oh, yeah. God, I haven't used it for years. I, and then actually that those people end up feeling good because they feel like they've, you know, given a little bundle of happiness to somebody, yeah. given somebody something that they want and like it triggers all these Things. And I think um, it's also just a great habit to get into to not automatically run to the pound shop or yeah, you know, jump online because yeah. online shopping so easy. And um, so Freegal's as easy as online shopping, right? So instead of always parting with money and consuming brand new yeah. stuff, it's just getting the habit, you know, of, of trying to eat out stuff from other sources first. definitely right we could talk about free gold for hours and Forever. i might need to get you and um, get might need to get you back on point no 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 <laughs> but i might need to get you back on to do a whole free gold episode but today i wanted to talk to you about um kind of sustainable-ish or sustainability at work because you've done quite a lot of work with local councils and big organizations around that haven't you yeah i have um over a number of years um, I did a big project with the University of Brighton that started in 2012 um, and we built an entire architect-designed house out of waste and I sourced all the waste for that house and it, it looks really beautiful and it's won Royal Archi Institute of um, British Architects Awards and, and all sorts of things. So it doesn't look like a, you know, a hippie shanty or anything. It's a big proper house. And um, and and through that I... Um, I sort of came under the ra radar of the, of the city council who were involved and partners on the project as well. And, um, and I used to go to lots of meetings at, at the city council and every time I'd turn up to a different building, there would invariably be a skip outside the council building kind of full of filing cabinets or chairs or, you know, just stuff. And I used to go into these meetings which were about preventing waste <laughs> and about materials and about, you know, zero waste and about reuse and everything and we'd be having these really big, high-powered meetings, you know, about policy and strategy and, and all this stuff. And I'd go, but, you know, you guys can't write policies and strategies like this and ask, all, you know, our city to change their behaviour. Mm. And there's a skip outside your own building kind of full of filing cabinets. And they were like, oh. <laughs> and, you know, I used to just, because I'm Australian, I just drive everybody mad, you know, and I don't kind of let up on things. And I probably speak a little bit out of turn at times. But um, it, it, the long and the short of it is, is they acknowledge that, yeah, it was actually a bit of a problem. that They did have all this stuff all the time that they no longer needed uh, for a whole variety of quite valid reasons. Yeah. And, um, and that they used to use an office clearance company, but they didn't really exist anymore in terms right. of stuff didn't get sold on people were just um sending it to disposal wow. and that's what was happening in the skips and um so anyway they asked me for suggestions on what to do so i i just next time you've got furniture you don't want or a building to clear or something you should get me in and and see what i can do with it and um so they kind of indulged me and um gave me this office floor to to clear for them which they, they were just a company to remove all the furniture and, and fittings um and and dispose of it 
and uh, they kind of put that on hold for a month to see what I could do. And so what I did was I um, they identified everything there that they no longer wanted, and I ordered uh-huh. audited that, and then I listed it all on Freegal basically. And um, the long and the short of it is, is that in four weeks. Um, I passed on 16.9 tonnes of unwanted furniture and stationery to people in the Brighton and Hove area. And, of course, it wasn't the intention, but that created an awful lot of goodwill for the council mm. and created a lot of engagement. You know, I had hundreds and hundreds of people coming to the council building, taking away desks and chairs and filing cabinets. Wow. It's all sort of ordinary detritus from this office that was being cleared. And uh, the council... You know, thought I was a bit bonkers and that I wouldn't possibly be able to get all this, find a new home for all this stuff. And so they told me afterwards that they actually had the um, office clearance company still booked come in <laughs> after the month and they had to cancel it because there was nothing left. I mean, I even managed to give away the carpet from a particular office because it was being refurbished and the carpet was just going to be thrown out anyway. And, um, yeah, that went to a music studio who used it for insulation on the walls and ceilings and 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 so it was a huge success anyway so not only did they not throw anything in but um you know we um all this reuse happened but it also made both of people happy and so since 20 that pilot in 2013 and um between then and now i've i think i've done 17 different projects for them everything from clearing a, a small printing office to clearing the largest office building in the city, which was 100,000 square foot wow. building. And, um, yeah, so it's been, you know, hugely wonderful on lots of levels. Um, being subcontracted as the only reuse manager for a local authority in the UK, you know, is, is pretty innovative and very groundbreaking on behalf of the local authority who kind of, you know, no one else was doing this mm. out on a limb. And in fact, apart from Freegal, there's another really great system for people who have businesses and maybe um, maybe you're nervous about using Freegal because it's so open to everybody mm-hmm. in the community. You know, a lot of businesses um, have certain protocols or insurances and all mm-hmm. sorts of things, legal things that might need to be in place, like legally transferring the ownership. Right, yeah. And so there's another website actually which... Um, it's like Freegal, but with bells and whistles for businesses and corporates and hospitals and schools. And that's called Warpit, W-A-R-P-I-T. And um, so, yeah, I explained Freegal earlier and, and, and literally works in exactly the same way, except um, it's a business model. So you pay for the service um, unless you're a charity or there are special statuses you can get where you don't mm. pay for the service. But it has things on there like um, legal transfer of ownership of goods. Oh, okay, yeah. And, in fact, you know, for anyone that thinks, oh, that would never work, um, the entire Scottish NHS use it. No. Um, and how they actually use it is, is incredibly smart, is that on Warpert you choose who can access your kind of uh, what you're giving away. And so what the NHS does is they link all the hospitals up so that they're actually able to share assets between hospitals. That is genius. So, yeah, so they might not need, you know, all these uh, drug trolleys at, at Hospital A, but Hospital oh. C is just about to buy some because they're opening up a new wing. And so, you know, and, and it goes on on a massive scale and, and it does work. 
What, wow. What I wonder how much money that has saved the Scottish NHS. Oh, so that's all calculated. And um, we could we could look at that and we could ask Walker. That's really easy. Wow. Because one of the things that Freegal does as well, which is why people should use sites like Freegal instead of Facebook giveaway groups or something, uh-huh. is that we, um, we measure and anonymously, obviously, all the activity that goes on on Freegal and we calculate all the data mm. for the weight of goods that are reused and prevented from going to waste, also their economic value, their second-hand value. So that's the economic value that you put back into the community by yeah. giving away a desk or a chair or a filing cabinet. And then also the carbon savings that that activity has had um, and it's EFRA-approved kind of algorithm which sort of calculates all sorts of things that the offset of the new resources you haven't used as well as like the prevention of disposal and the carbon associated with that so both Warpet and Freegal calculate all of that and um so I know for the Scottish NHS and for Zero Waste Scotland as well who who really um push people using these systems in businesses because it it also um it unintentionally kind of changes behavior so businesses start using, you know, Freegal or Warpet or something, then they start to realise how much stuff they're yeah. actually constantly getting rid of. And then actually, and you know, the magic happens is when the light bulb goes off in someone's head and they go back to management or sort of, you know, a, um, a side department in their organisation and get someone to look at procurement. Yeah. Like, but why are we still buy, buying filing cabinets? Did you know that we've like got rid yeah. of them this year? And so that, yeah, it's one of the great things about using some of the systems that are in place um, to facilitate waste prevention is that because they're measuring data and making people mm. aware of kind of flows in and out is it's, it's a great trigger to changing other behaviours as well. And I think presumably as well, I, I don't know if there's any data around this, but if a business starts using Freegal or Warpit, and um, you know their employees are going to be like, oh, do you know what? Maybe we could do that at home. And I think oh, it's, do you yes. know that that must be really interesting as well to see that knock-on effect on on individual actions as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, one of a, a project I run down here with an, um, another director of Freegal actually, um, is the thing called Tech Take Back. And what we do is is we get pop-up locations. And we get government funding and we ask people to bring in their unwanted electronics mm. and small electricals, um, preferably all those gadgets that actually hold data because we mm. get government funding so that we guarantee that we data wipe every mm. single item we receive. And we've done those in Brighton Hove. We did 28 days over 18 months and we collected um, 8.9 tonnes. Oh of unwanted electronics and that was from 660 people and it's 300,000 people in Brighton and Hove so can you imagine how many unwanted electronics there are sitting in people's I think I saw the statistic isn't there about how many there is on average and it's something yeah so this year the EU is predicted to create 12 million tonnes of waste electronic and electrical equipment. Wow. Me. And so then um, what did you, once you'd collected all those bits, what, what happened to them? Right, so we sorted all out and organised it. Out of that um, kind of nine tonnes, we had one and a half tonnes of just cables, for example, <laughs> and there was over 100 kilos of brand new cables still in their original packaging. So things like that yeah. go on. I sort all that out. And then so the re-imminent and everything goes off for, to be data wiped. We partner with a government-approved data erasure company. Then um, 
the good stuff that's reusable comes back to us and I give that away to good causes. So, for example, to the local community pub that runs How to Get Online for their elderly mm. um, uh, participants, um, we've given laptops to the local homeless support charity so their volunteers can do stuff for them, blah, 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 blah. We give some away on Freegal, some goes to, um, you know, kids' groups and all sorts. Mm. Um, keep a whole bunch of um, stuff that's useful for arts projects. So. Mm-hmm. Like I know people that make jewellery out of keyboards, for example. Mm. So even broken keyboards, like I keep back and I supply uh, Shangri-La at Glastonbury with materials <laughs> every year. So they will kind of find out what I've got and then they'll commission artwork to be made wow. out of it and vice versa. They come to me and say, oh, we really want to make something out of computer waste. It's yeah. a new stockpilot for us. So, yeah, things that can't be reused and a whole bunch of stuff which gets upcycled and, and reprocessed in weird yeah. and wonderful ways. Some of it gets uh, repaired. And then um, I've got a 40-foot container, which is um, full of all the kind of useless stuff that is just left over. And at the moment we're just waiting for government funding so that we can do a massive dismantling project and pull out all the valuables to be recycled. So there's lots of rare earth metals in there. Yeah. Actually, no one will be surprised by this. Um, a 40-foot container full of about five tonnes of electronic waste, um, about 62% of the volume in there is actually plastic, right. metal or anything valuable at all. Yeah. But what we want to do is isolate that plastic and then reprocess it locally and we're going to turn them into spectacle frames. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we've kind of already prototyped it and we're just waiting it's a project that we'll we'll roll out this year. Um, but what I was going to say about take, take back is that we kind of um, we were just doing them in Brighton and Hove, but um, the City of London invited us to go up there and, and run a few actually for the City of London. Yeah. But then um, you know they obviously uh, promoted that to all the businesses with mm. the really high flying FTSE one hundred yeah. companies um, in the in the actual uh, square mile mm. of, the city of London. And on the back of that, we've now started a square mile Freegal group. Because, oh, wow. like you said, by, you know, the, the corporate or the business providing sort of an event that's triggered lots of other behaviour now. And, in fact, next week we're going back to run another two take-back pop-ups in the city of London because now there's demand for it and the word's got out about what you can do and, and, and so people are asking for it. And... I think that's, that's one of the great things about lots of the projects I've been involved in is that I actually get to see the ripple effect. Yeah. And I think what I've done, which is, um, uh, well, a bit of my USP is that although I really, really work at grassroots level just with really ordinary people and mm. local community groups and just, you know, the um, – at the sort of the the front line, if you like, of everything is I kind of um, managed to work with public bodies and Mm. private companies as well. And a lot of magic in reuse and waste prevention actually happens when you connect up those disparate sectors. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so something, a great example is, you know, in construction. So, you know, Eight bits sheets of plywood are completely useless if you're on a really big construction site because they need 800 matching. But 
eight sheets of plywood to a community group, mm. really valuable. And so, you know, getting um, things between different sectors um, is, is where I like to see the magic. And, and so, yeah, running this event for corporate, really, in the city of London, when we actually get to meet lots of workers and residents in the city when they come to the event and get to have conversations with mm. them. As it turns out, they go home and go back to work and they change a, a behaviour in their lifestyle, which is yeah. just like that, that's kind of what it's all about. Definitely. And I think, you know, so, so much in, in the business sector and in the corporate world, you know, most big corporates now, or I would imagine maybe all of them have, you know, CSR policies, but actually doing something like that takes it away from being a policy and into being something real life. And that, as you say, then employees can kind of see that thing in action and then think about what it sets yeah. off those ripples to think about what they can do at home. And especially somewhere like the square mile where they must you know, you've probably got some of the highest paid people in the country with probably yep. some of the yep. highest carbon footprints that go with yep. that. If you can start to influence them, that's, you know, you can get some really big bang for your buck quite quickly. Yeah, you can actually. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I think actually a, a lot of people that are naturally attracted to being more sustainable are actually quite sustainable people anyway, mm. only because, you know, they don't have the money to have a really huge carbon footprint. Yeah. So, you know, like a lot of work needs to be done with sort of um, affluent um, big spenders. And, um, I think I was going to also say, if, you know, if you work in a really big organisation and you probably think, oh, God, you know, what are they doing? Or they should do something. Mm. If you're working in a really big organisation, they will absolutely have a policy and, you know, um, company targets and guidelines and what they're meant to be doing, you should look those up. And, you know, if you can't see that going on in your workplace, like you can bring it up, right, because yeah. they've already committed to doing stuff. And also you might also find an avenue if you to initiate something if you see that they've got a policy of zero waste to landfill and, mm -hmm. and there aren't recycling bins in the canteen, you know, you can quite legitimately um, say to someone, hey, you know, I thought you had this great sustainable policy but, like, Ah, you know, mm. or whatever it is, or, you know, asking them to remove bottled plastic, bottled water from the yeah. canteen and all sorts of things. And, um, and the other thing is, is that there are already really dynamic, big, um, exciting kind of organisations and companies out there that are demystifying what businesses need to do to be more sustainable. So, for example, if you run a theatre or you work in the arts or at a festival or in a pub or a restaurant, there's an organisation called Dooley's Bicycle. And for 10 or 15 years, they have been doing research and creating policies and guidelines and certification processes for all such arts organisations to lower their carbon footprint. So if you feel overwhelmed or bamboozled and you don't know sort of how to drive your business mm. forward, take half an hour out and get a cup of tea and, and do some Googling and you'll find that there will be a network organisation that's already doing something. There's, there's a sustainable restaurant association, for example, and they've got a, the same thing, you know, a whole bunch of um, policies and frameworks mm. and guidelines there so that you can get information that's relevant to you and your business and equally you know in architecture and construction industry there's there's a plethora of amazing amazing um go-to advisory organizations out there there's a sustainable supply chain company there's a, 
uh, green building, uh, can't think what the rest of their name is, but, you know, these mm. actually you might not know of them now, but do a little bit of research and it'll help you kind of make changes in your own workplace and it'll just make it easier for you. And yeah, sometimes definitely. things are bamboozling, you know, and, and also I, and I've seen a fair bit where businesses have, um, you know, they've watched Blue Planet and got yeah. quite excited um, through, the, you know, plastic being the new yeah. evil um, component in our life. And so they've quite enthusiastically gone back to the pub they run, cancelled all orders for this single-use fossil fuel plastic pint cups that they've been using mm-hmm. for 10 years because they're not allowed to use glass because they're on a beat front. Yeah. And they order um, at a great increase in cost to themselves, they order single-use disposable bioplastic pint mm. cups made from plants and actually bioplastic pint cups behave exactly the same if they escape into the environment. They don't, you know, they don't break down. They behave exactly the same as mm. plastic. They might as well be plastic. Yeah. It's increased your overhead by 20 or 30% on one of the staple products that you have to buy day in, day out, and you haven't achieved anything. Um, and so what is the solution there for those kinds of businesses? Well, the solution there as well is to not have big dramatic knee-jerk yeah. things and, and and maybe don't blast out on ask Facebook what to do. Maybe do some <laughs> quiet research yourself because there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of maybe ifs, and I yeah. heard it on the grapevine. Um kind of well-intended but kind of not well-researched or mm. slightly misunderstood information that band is about. I mean, it's beautiful sometimes to see how information does <laughs> out there and we can inspire and enthuse people. But I think, you know, if you're running a business and you want to make a change, you want to do some considered research. And I think what I just said earlier is worth doing. Whatever industry you're in, there will be um, at least one, if not several, advisory boards or organisations around sustainability and, and there are big generic ones as well like the Carbon Trust and um, actually the Climate Change Coalition and there's an organisation called Green Alliance. Um, there's the Ellen MacArthur Foundation who's driving um, mm. circular economy. All these people um, at great minds and, and lots of money and time and energy behind really in-depth research and study and then they evaluate all of that and they produce documents and policies and guidance to help decisions. And so go to these organisations, read up on what interests you. Um, You know, the information is all out there, but I I can't stress enough that you just kind of need to do it in quite a calm, considered, quiet way first before you do anything. There'll be some low-hanging fruit for sure. I mean, you know, if you ain't recycling, I mean, that's not rocket science. <laughs> You're doing that right now. You don't need to read a book about that. But, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, for so, the, you know, if you want to find out about renewable energy or, you know, blah, 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 or sustainable transport or whatever, you, 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 need, to, you need to get a bit informed first. Mm, yeah, definitely. So for anyone who's, you know, either just gone back to work after Christmas or looking at going back to work next week and is maybe looking at their work environment with kind of fresh eyes or thinking like this is the year that that I think we need to make some changes at work and as uh you know air quotes just an employee I think it can be hard to um 
to feel empowered to to make those suggestions or to even know what suggestions you should make or you know because you nobody wants to be that person that everyone's kind of eye rolling at or but I think I said to you yesterday when we were having a chat about doing this that when I worked um when I was a vet in practice you know we weren't doing any recycling and I was recycling at home and we weren't recycling at work and it and it felt really wrong but I didn't feel like it was my place or that you know there must be a good reason for us not doing it or whatever but actually when I did then step up and say um we implemented recycling and everyone was like why weren't we doing that months ago so (laughs) how um how can we encourage each other to to feel empowered and what sort of simple changes might people be able to suggest to their employers I, I guess, I mean, I, I do understand that because I haven't always been self-employed kind of um, waste prevention maniac. Mm. I mean, I was a psychiatric nurse years ago, so wow. I worked in a, you know, a hospital environment um, and, and I worked in the music industry for years where, yeah, I mean, 19 years ago when I burst into this little tiny record company, um, I did implement really bonkers recycling, you know, including the CDs and the dual cases. But wow. I think I just did it in not like a um and I mean I know how difficult that is because everyone just thought I was really annoying and it wasn't really like what so to to do it in a fun way maybe or a positive way sort of not in a naggy way not in a and not in a hostile angry way but like we can all ask questions and sometimes you know there's a good answer and you were just like um didn't know that you know the company actually buying renewable energy and you only mm. found out because you asked right so I think there's conversations to have with the people that you work with and, and also I think it's easier to introduce these things now yeah definitely. because of the blue planet effect because of extinction rebellion yeah. Berg, you know, my home country is on fire yeah today, and I have spent the last week you know um you know incredibly upset about what's going on in my country and we have to speak up, you know, and yeah. it's okay. And I think that there's just enough high profile mainstream media stuff out there is that you're not a bad guy. Mm. If you're asking why we're not recycling or, you know, do we really need paper towels in the bathroom anymore? Like whatever it is, you know, uh, where's our toilet paper coming from? But mm. I think you can do it in, you just need to do it in kind of a positive way of, Hey, I'm just trying to help. And, you know, yeah. And actually a lot of things you do to become more sustainable end up saving you money in the long term. So there might be a disruptive change to the way we've always done something in the sure. beginning. But often in the long term, which is important to businesses, they're often uh, money-saving endeavours as well. So, mm. um, yeah, that's always, in fact, that's how I've got a lot of my work with businesses is that um, I am able to come in I'm a viable option for them to buy my service because I am not more expensive than disposing of goods to landfill incineration. So I know that a buy-in point for businesses, how much things cost. Um, but yeah. yeah. And I think that's so true what you said about, you know, it's very different now to how it was 19 years ago when you were trying to implement recycling. And I oh, think yes. we've I'm either... Oh, yes. freak. Yeah. And we've either reach that tipping point or we very soon will that you know even I think in the last couple of years going from feeling like that slightly awkward person that person that's being a little bit annoying to people around you going why wouldn't we 
yeah. you know like well of course that's the right thing to be doing so, and of course we'll support you and um and thank god someone else stepped up to do it because i've been feeling really bad about this yeah um, i mean we don't it's hard to see because we're in the middle of it but we're in this fantastically actually very exciting transition where for decades there's a whole bunch of people who have got the problem and have been working out solutions and some of those have risen up and are you know, and a big things and not big things. There are people all over the planet who have been trying to be more sustainable for decades. So we have the solutions there. And the really exciting thing is it's a tipping point. The bad tipping point is the fires in Australia. Mm. The tipping point is that it's what used to just seem like eccentric, extreme, radical, um, you know, greeny behaviour is becoming mainstream and it's becoming the norm. And honestly, if you don't do it, you're going to look like the freak in 10 years' time. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so it's quite exciting and that's why, yeah, don't be afraid, guys. Just be positive with it and, like, how can we do this and take everybody along with us in the workplace? And, you know, and, you know there's also things that individuals can do. So it's like the biggest carbon footprint of, of flying, right, is the carbon footprint of all the individual passengers actually getting to the airport. Oh, wow, yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. So the biggest carbon footprint of Glastonbury Festival is not what goes on at Glastonbury Festival, it's the carbon footprint of the transport of 200,000 people getting to one location wow. for five days. So it's really interesting when, when you... You know, you start thinking about these things like in, in the whole instead of yeah. just looking at one part of the supply chain or one product or one thing. You have some big joined up kind of thinking about, about everything. Yeah. Off on another tangent now, haven't we? No, 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 that's amazing. <laughs> and it's such a joy to speak to you. And I, I, I don't really don't want this to come across as patronising, but I hope you know like what a massive impact everything you do has and everything you're doing has because just talking to you now and you know you say oh and free girl and 2.8 million users and we did this tech take back and there is a phenomenal amount of work that goes into that and to you know just stripping back all the bits just blew my mind about the electronics and stuff like that and um and when you talked about, you know, the the carbon that's counted up, the offsetting from Freegal and things like that, I mean you you should be, or I hope you are so proud of the impact and the things that you're achieving. Oh, thanks, Jen. God. <laughs> That's so sweet. A little bit overwhelming. Um, honestly, like everybody, I'm just kind of in my own little funny world, you know, like my three kids are grown up and I'm sitting here in my bedroom right now in my funny little quirky house. And when I look out across the River Ouse to the South Downs National Park, I am looking at an incinerator the size of probably 10 football pitches. And that's my daily motivation. It's yeah. like we've got to stop making so much stuff and then just burning it and thinking we're okay. And, you know, I'm just doing my bit. just like I think everybody's doing their bit. And, and if we all just tried to be the best people we possibly can be within our own realm, yeah. you know, then the world would just be a better place every day. And I'm... Um, yeah. I, I just think it's really exciting that there's so many women um, like you, like me, and like a lot of other amazing girls on your podcast that, you know, we're just knocking down barriers and we're speaking our minds, but we're also speaking our hearts. And I think it's a really important thing to do because while there's a lot of practical stuff, 
that needs to go on a lot of you know serious game changing and technology yeah. and all sorts of things it's um it's good to not forget that um we're all just people with beating hearts and we need to look after each other as well so thank you very much for the opportunity oh, Thank you so much for tuning in and for joining me in counting down to and celebrating the launch of the Sustainable-ish Living Guide, available online and in all good bookshops from January the 9th, 2020. Catch you next time.